Live with Ryan Reese. This is Live with Ryan Reese. Call now, 1-888-564-6173. Or post your questions using the hashtag LiveRyanReese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. What's up, what's up? We're not going to take any phone calls tonight. Because we got too much content in the studio. I got one of my friends that I grew up with, Melissa Hubble. And, oh, it's not Hubble anymore. No. What is it? Aniku. Aniku. Which in, in Lubara means, uh, it, it means I don't know. It does. <laughs> <laughs> and Vincent. Mm-hmm. And they're from uh, Nigeria. No. Uh, no, Uganda. Sorry, yeah. Uganda. Uganda. And they are actually missionaries out there and the stories that i heard before the show are insane you are not gonna believe what you're gonna hear tonight so text someone if anyone wants to be a missionary text them right now and tell them to tune in to ryan-reese.com or to turn on k-wave or whatever other station you're listening to us on because it's going to go down tonight so let's just get into it (laughs) yeah let's do it let's just get into it you know i was thinking about what i was going to ask you today when I got up, I'm like, what in the heck would I ask them? And the one thing that came to my mind was, why Africa? <laughs> because you are you grew up out here. I know mm-hmm. you know we grew up together out in Laverne, which is right outside of L.A. But the, when I say why Africa, it's because the commitment to leave here and go to Africa in the middle of nowhere. I was looking on the GPS, and it just said trees <laughs> where you live. And there was like these houses you guys showed me, and there's like, grass huts and you're gonna i know you're gonna tell me all about your living quarters and stuff but you're out there away from like doctors and medicine and no running water and i mean you're like you're out there why how did this even happen (laughs) well when when i rededicated my life to god uh first i just got involved as quickly as possible and went to israel with the youth group and then after that i just knew i was called to missions so first I started doing like relief work here and there. And then um, I went with my friend Crystal to India uh, to India for about six months. And um, and there was a big persecution at the time that started in Orissa and then came down to Bangalore where we were. Mm-hmm. And they were like throwing boulders at, at the at the bus and stuff. And and our our driver was just amazing, like in these little crazy Mm -hmm. roads. If you guys have ever been to India, you know what I'm talking about. No. (laughs) (laughs) Look it up. I'm sure there's YouTube videos. (laughs) But yeah, um, and and I was sharing the other night at Golden Springs that even one of the nights, we we thought that for sure they had come to kill us. We had something on the roof. We heard noises on the roof and the dog was barking and stuff. And so um, Crystal and I are like, are we ready to die for Christ? We didn't know. And so we just kept like asking each other and we're like, are we really ready? What do we do? Do we run outside? Because all the windows are boarded up. There's only one way out of the house. Well, in the morning, we ended up finding out there was a tiger on our roof. This is yeah. in India, right? This is in India. How old were you at this time? Um, I, I would have to do the math. <laughs> There's no time for that. Okay. But like my mid-20s. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So – um. So then um, the, with all the persecution and stuff, the pastors pulled us out like one night, like just so fast. And so when we came back, I started going through this deep depression. 
like, God, I know you called me to missions, but you pulled me out. What's going on? And he showed me how Paul was lowered down in the basket to continue the ministry. Mm. And so I went to the missions conference like I always do. But this time I wanted to go like just hide in the corners and just hear from God. And I bumped into my godparents who I hadn't seen in a long time. Uh, Dr. Jim and Bev Hendrickson. Okay. Yeah. And they said, hey, we're going to kidnap you tonight and take you to dinner with a group that's going to this place called Midigo, Uganda. So I said, okay. So they said, we're going for two weeks. Do you want to go with us? And I said, well, I really feel like I need to go somewhere and do like a longer term training for wherever God has me for for forever. And then so we went and that ended up being my forever. Mm, That is a trip. So when you got out there. Um, tell, tell us like this environment when you when you went out there. What what would you run into? Because the things that I was asking you before, like, is this a dumb question? But is there like running water and stuff? Yeah. Tell so us, when I when I first got there, it, it's changed a lot over these eight mm-hmm. years. But when I first got there, there there was no water. There's still no electricity. Um, this last year we got solar panels. Um, Dale's Thursday morning Bible study helped raise money for our solar panels. But you've been there eight years already. Yeah. So you yeah, didn't have we didn't solar have, panels before. No, just the no just the last year. Yeah, and we didn't have any internet. I remember when I first got there, I got twenty minutes on a sat phone, and most of the time my mom would be like, "What's going on there?" And I'm like, "No, I have to hear about back home." And I remember <laughs> one of the times there was like a. I don't remember if it was a black mamba or a python or something. The guards were trying to kill it with the bud of their of their gun. And I'm like, they're going to shoot off a, 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 <laughs> a bullet. Random, yeah. Like, come yeah. on. <laughs> There's got to be something else to kill this, you know, snake. So I said, Mom, I got to go. The the people are, yeah, going <laughs> to start shooting bullets on accident. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's crazy. And you guys, so you went to um, India first, and that was kind of stirred your heart for for mission. Or you went to Israel, then India, and you've had this heart for missions. Then you go to Uganda, where mm-hmm. you've been now for the last eight years. Mm-hmm. You're, it's funny, you're talking to your mom, saying they grew up in Laverne, this is this chill city, and now you find yourself in Uganda, and your your life, your your reality has totally changed. Yeah, captain of the cheer team, my first car was a Mustang convertible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then moving to Africa, what, what taking was, public means, which is like you're the only white person on the bus. But it, when when we had our first son, Zachary, then we ended up getting a vehicle. So we have a vehicle of our own now. What did your parents say when you made this decision? Um, I, I mean, they're both Christian, right. which is amazing. So they prayed about it and they had peace. I think the only main thing was um, when Vincent came into the picture – and um and he used to email with my parents well i used to always read them and and then you know uh, americanized some of the english comments mm-hmm. um it, but one time i was in kampala with the imukus the doctors that i was staying with before we got married and um and he he calls me and he says mom and dad haven't talked to me in a long time what happened and i said well what did you do he said, well, I sent them an email. I said, don't send them an email without me proofreading it. So over there, when people have children, they automatically call them mom and dad. Yeah. So he emails them, hi, mom and dad. Well, dad didn't want that. He was like, no, he's not my son already. I haven't even met this guy. <laughs> so dad said, I don't want to hear from him again until you get back to America. And we sit down and we talk about it and we pray about it. Well, dad was actually going through some things in his own heart that he didn't know until he talked to Rawl mm-hmm. and Rawl had shown him. And so when dad prayed through that, then he had perfect peace. Hey, it's a, it's a big deal, dude. Your daughter takes off For to sure. the middle of nowhere in Africa 
far away. And then next thing you know, she's like, yeah, you know, we're, we're, we're thinking about getting married. Yeah. I'm, like, wait, wait, who, what? I don't even know this guy. What are you talking about right now? So t- just tell us about this. Let's, let's get into this whole deal. So you get out there and uh, you're, you're there on your first trip. Mm-hmm. And at that time, you didn't know Vince. Vincent, he wasn't around. He, he came, I think, maybe a month or two um, once I got there. He, he was, he's from there. Yes. But then he went to Bible college. And so he had graduated and he was on a missions trip, actually, um, in, in Western Uganda. Yeah, in Western Uganda. And so he came back after I had come back after the two-week team had already left. Okay, so before you met her, how did that even happen? Because you grew up out there. In Uganda, what was the what was the situation that even led you to the Lord? Because I heard it's like a, most of most of that area is like a Muslim country. Yeah, well, um, uh, I live in Uganda, but the northern region of of Uganda, mm-hmm. bordering Sudan uh, and Uganda uh, and and Congo, and so this part of Uganda is so remote; not even so many people live there. Mm-hmm. It's a place called Midigo, and usually they call it. Uh, the place of the baboons, because ideally, when we went to Sudan as refugees, a lot of baboons stayed in that area. And so uh, I went to Sudan uh, as a refugee because of Idi Amin's ruthless regime, mm-hmm. uh, where we were exiled in Sudan when I was a baby. My mom actually carried me on the back because the only way to escape the death was to walk miles and miles into mm-hmm. Sudan. And so we are there for four years, and when we came back, my dad joined the army, and for seven years, uh, we never saw him, we never know where he was, no letters, and we thought he was dead. And then after seven years, he shows up and takes us to the eastern part of Uganda, and that's when I was 12. I had the gospel, I was like, I'm a sinner just like anybody. Mm. Uh, So I gave my life to Christ, it just started gradually. And then God started convicting me stronger and stronger, and my life started changing. And my dad hated that because he was an al- alcoholic. Mm. Um, uh, he married different wives, many wives, and he wanted me to be like him. But now something was different in me, mm. and we were raised as Catholics, so he felt that I had betrayed. And so because of that, he started persecuting me, and he used to come like in the middle of the night at midnight and pour cold water on my bed and sometimes carry his gun to threaten me to 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 uh, refuse Christ as my lord and savior wow. and so mm-hmm. me and my mom would run out of the house and that's how uh, i got saved and that was uh, the beginning of my persecution in life Dude, wow. that, that is crazy now you said that they had a number of wives out there is that that's common yeah, it's common because the area we live, Midigo, is 95% Muslim community because of Idi Amin. Uh-huh. He had forced that part of the country to to Islam, and he had tried to register Uganda as an Islamic state. And so because of that, the Muslim culture requires men to marry as many as four wives so that they can produce more and, kids, and, and more Muslims. More, yeah. That is so insane. So you, God captures your heart. You start getting convicted, and he starts showing you a different direction for your life. Like you just said right right now, um, 98% uh, Muslim around, but you had a, a Roman a Catholic uh, background as well, right? Yes. That's what you're saying. And then 
as you, the the call of God starts stirring your heart, you, you how long after that did you start going to Bible college and go a little deeper in your walk with the Lord? Yeah, well, uh, when um, I graduated to go to high school, mm-hmm. uh, my dad was transferred from the army station where he was to a different part of the country. But because he didn't want to say that he has rejected me because I've become a Christian, he tricked me and told me to remain in the city where uh, we were before and saying that he's sending me to school and in, he will help me. But he was just tricking me. He left me without any support in a different mm. place. And so when my aunt heard of the situation, he came and picked me, brought me back to the village. And I had dropped out of school. I was doing hard labor, but I was bright, a bright student, mm-hmm. a, a bright child. Mm-hmm. And so he took me back to school and I started going to high school. And that's from that time i started evangelizing in the school wow. i've been a christian leader in this school so that's how i grew up and when i came back to the village uh i found dr joventan imuku who is now uh the senior pastor of uh calvary chapel soroti he had god had called him to go to our village and he didn't even want to go there but god told him to go there and when he went there he was the only christian and he had his nurse, and they started fellowshipping there while I was in the college. And and so when I came back for holidays, I would join the fellowship. And so the number started growing from two to three to four to five to six, and then a church was born. And at the same time, uh, I kept going to the high schools uh, in, in the district, different Muslim schools, and trying to evangelize. They let you talk well, about Jesus at the yeah, high schools? Yeah, I will share about Jesus. Some of the schools will close their doors, mm-hmm. but I will pray that God will avail doors for me mm-hmm. to preach the gospel. And some schools are Christian, so mm-hmm. they would allow me mm-hmm. to minister there. And so when my senior pastor saw uh, the faith in me, and he, he believed that God was calling me to be a pastor, so he said, would you mind going to the Bible college in Kampala? So I went to Kampala for two years. That was 2007, 2008. And when I came back, that's when I found she had come as a missionary. And we went uh, to the villages preaching the gospel in the schools and, and every almost basically on my motorcycle. Wow. No, and that's a that's a Calvary Chapel Bible College that mm-hmm. you guys went to out there. Isn't that great, dude? It, it, it's it's amazing. Amazing. It, I, I'm listening to you. That, that's why I'm glad we got some of that background right now, too, because it kind of paints a picture. It shows how God works in our lives individually from your background, all that you went through uh, in your life, and just how he orchestrates it, you know, stirring up the call of God, going to this Bible college. And for you over here, you know, in Southern California, and you've gone through your different variety phases as a as a young girl, and then as you committed your life to the Lord and kind of searching out what God has for you, you have a heart for missions, and you just stopped, you know, took a step by faith, and then you guys meet, 2008, these two lives from two different universes, basically, two different realities, and now you guys are doing ministry together, right? That's how you guys got connected. Yeah, I was thinking like how when you said that you were in India, and you know God took you guys to India, and then you got to that place when you're like, "Well, can I? Can we die for Jesus right now? Mm-hmm. Can we die?" Like it's like He took you over there just to put you in that moment to mm-hmm. see if that faith was real. And then when you obviously decided you could, that'd be a crazy moment to be in. Mm-hmm. And He's like, "All right, 
I'm going to take you out of here because your husband's not in India. <laughs> I'm going to take you back home and then send you back out to go meet your husband. Mm-hmm. Dude, isn't that a trip how God works, how he brings that, that soulmate, you know, that one that he, he created for you. So now it started with one church and now with you guys, what you guys are doing, I think how many churches do you guys have? How many churches have you guys launched from your guys' church? Uh, about four now. Four now. Yeah. That's amazing. Actual five. Five. Yes. Yeah. Dude, wow. growing, growing. I'm telling you, I looked on the map and it's just like these villages. <laughs> so now the, the question that I want to ask too is like, now let's talk about God working because you guys are out there. Obviously, God puts you guys together. He's, he's expanding the ministry. Tell us of some cool stories because people want to hear. You always hear, we went to Africa and there was like, you know, we were preaching and then there was like the signs, the wonders. People, we were praying. People were getting healed. There's demonic stuff. There's all these other cult things going on. Tell me some stories, both sides. Uh, well, we <laughs> we we want to thank uh, Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa uh, for being a support to us in Midigo. Uh, we want to thank West Grove uh, through Promised Child, and we want to thank a couple of different churches here. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't be where we are at this time if they were not supporting us. Basically, that place is the remotest and and everybody even our own people in our land there they don't want to work there because they see that our region is the most barbaric mm. people and and they are so brutal really? because the muslim influence and so when we started the church when god gave us a, a, our our senior pastor a vision uh, we could not start with the church because the muslims would rise against us but there was a small dispenser that the government was uh, supporting. There were no buildings, and our doctor started working under a mango tree. And so he said, if probably, if we can start, you know, treating people with medication, and then they can open up, we can treat the pregnant mothers who walk on their foot when they're about to deliver to the hospital, and some even deliver on the way. So he said, if we can we begin there, maybe the Muslims can accept us. So that's how the ministry started. Wow. And so mm-hmm. as it grew up, and then he's like, okay, I am about 40, 50. What else can we do for this community to receive the gospel? But as the church started growing, there were so many children. He said, the future of the church is the children. Why don't you begin a kindergarten? So we began a, a kindergarten, which has now grown grown to a primary school. Mm-hmm. And so that's how the ministry started. And, and, and many times... We have challenges. The community wanted to burn the church. One time they wanted to kill the doctor. And, and every time anything that you don't expect is there happening. And my wife and I, we adopted these kids. And one of the girls was from a Muslim background, about 12. And the parents were forcing her to be married to a richer Muslim man who was about 40 to 50 years and this girl had received Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. Mm. And so she had to run for her life. We accepted her in. My wife gave her her clothes because they had burned her clothes. And so the the brother was in the army and he was threatening to come in and kill us in our family. So I said, I better meet him on the way before he comes to the family. So when I went there, just trusting in the Lord, I talked with him. He was so bitter, but the Lord somehow worked things now we have ended up adopting like 13 Ugandan children plus. Wow. That's amazing. Own. So you guys have two of your children on your own. Mm-hmm. And then you have another 
12 Uganda children. 13. 13, 13 yeah. total. So 15 yeah. altogether. Yeah. yeah. And t- what, now, how are the living quarters here? Talk, talk about your guys' living quarters. I don't think people understand, like, your house. You guys are, how big's your house? Four of you guys are in there. You guys. Are- uh, so when we first got married, we had a grass-touched house that Vincent had made himself with unbaked bricks. So, um, so that it stayed a little bit cooler. And it was uh, the size of most people's living rooms. Yeah, okay. the the whole house, hmm. and um and so we had just itty bitty wooden window shutters, and so I called it my adult size playhouse because <laughs> it felt like you know like the little playhouses out in the backyard that most kids have. It felt okay. like that. And for our, our wedding gift, my husband gave us a, a gave me a toilet, so <laughs> <laughs> so we had a toilet in there. Even though I had to like fetch water to flush it, I didn't care because I had a toilet. I was so excited. And and like we said earlier, we didn't have electricity. So uh, the first night we had the the candlelight dinner, and I was so excited. And by the third night, I was like, "This is so not romantic." <laughs> yeah, over it. Candlelight <laughs> yeah, every night. Yeah, so over it. But yeah, so um, so during the the pregnancy with Zachary, mm-hmm. we still had our grass house, and and um, there was like a, a big space between the the grass and where the the walls would meet it. And so we had way too many mosquitoes, and I kept getting malaria, pneumonia. I was dying. Um, we thought for sure Ian and had had died. Mm. Yeah, and all the dust and everything. Mm. Just, yeah. Um, now I forgot what I was saying. <laughs> you, were, you were just talking about when you got pregnant and, and uh, you, yeah, you oh, the, li- the medication. The, yeah, yeah. And so um, – and so with that, even even we didn't have oxygen, and and so my lips were purple. Vincent calls back home and says, you know, I think she's she's dying. Um, but wow. all of our daughters were cooling me off with washcloths, and and so um, God had just worked miracles, miracles after miracles during that time. And so when we came back, um, the the house started collapsing, and and our vehicle that we had just gotten, Vincent was driving with all of the children to one of the churches to mm-hmm. dedicate it, um, and he rolled over mm-hmm. with with all of the children in it. No way. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so it was just one of those test and trial times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We 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 tend to have those a lot, but this good mm-hmm. because the like the. I think it was the third time you were in the car and it rolled over. He just came back and he said, I just don't know why God won't take my life. Mm. And and God mm. just gave me these words to tell him, you can't be a mighty man of God without mighty trials. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and from that point on, I don't think either of us have looked back. We just keep going with everything that goes on. I, I read something like in a Tory. It was like Deal Moody or Tory or something. They were talking about how God wants us to uh, – he, he he stretches us and he, he wants us to f- uh, use our spiritual muscles. He wants to make us mm. strong and mighty. And this is why we go through these these trials and these these storms in our life. And even James, you know, says it produces character yeah. mm-hmm. in our in our life. But uh, if we don't go through these things and we have to be weak, and he, obviously you guys are out there, you got to be strong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so he's For definitely sure. doing that. Yeah, but um, because of the. The house collapsing. We didn't have a house to go back to with with Zachary, our oldest, and so um, we got together whatever we could and started building a small iron sheet house that we still never got to finish. But that's what we're living in right now, and um, we're working on building another larger house that will fit all of us. 
Um, so we've been working on that about four, almost five years. So maybe mm. this next year it might get finished. If not, it, what's another year? <laughs> and then we're all the, now you have the, uh, the 13 kids. Where are they staying? Are they staying? They're there? also, so we, we have what's called a compound. So we finally got a wall. When I first moved there, we didn't have any wall at all, not even barbed wire. I felt like a sitting duck mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. like a, a fish in a fishbowl, right. you know, yeah. <laughs> like everybody yeah. staring at me, watching my every move and everything. Um, but yeah, it was it was interesting to say the least. <laughs> but um, now we have like a wall, and so um, our daughters sleep in a in a grass touched house inside, and then we have workers that that stay with us too. And then uh, currently, um, our boys are just right outside of the wall in a in a grass touched house also. But a lot of our older children are now in boarding school. Um, they just started this last year. Um, our oldest boy was accepted into the best university in, Ugo- in Uganda, and so he's there. And um, our oldest daughter will soon be starting catering school. And then we're hoping to open up um, a restaurant for her in the town center um, where we have a football or a soccer hall, mm-hmm. uh, like right across the street from the mosque. Wow. So just to be clear, you, you're taking these kids off, off the street. You're taking them in, you're discipling them, feeding them, and then helping them get on their way to college or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever that road Yeah, it, it all started when we when we first got married. Vincent was already helping two boys, mm-hmm. uh, Sunday and Mambo. And, I mean, sorry, Stephen and Mambo. Uh, and when I was just having one of those breakdown days where it is too hard to fetch water. It's too hard to try to light fire from firewood at, in the morning when everything's still like – moist and Mm -hmm. stuff i was just having one of those breakdown moments and i was just sitting on what we call a veranda um it's just like a little um cement bordering around the the grass house Mm -hmm. so you can sit on it and um and so i was just sitting there and looking at the giant rock mountain that we have there and and as i was sitting there and i was just like god like this is too hard but i know you have a plan what is your plan and i'm just seeing these girls that that were maybe about eight, nine, no nine, and Seven was, to ten. Yeah, um, and I saw them, and they're just like dirt from from head to toe. They're working so hard. They're not going to school. They only had one outfit, and it was all ripped up, and they can't get soap or salt or anything. So I I just talked with Vincent, and I said, Vincent, what if we took like these two girls in? And they just help me with the things that they're already doing, like a few of the things. Like they start a fire in the morning before they go to school and they fetch water. And in return, like we take them in as our children. We we give them soap. We give them salt. We give them school fees. We give them everything that they need and just bless them. Mm-hmm. And so we prayed about it. And so that's how we got them. And then our, our youngest one, Gaga, she was about two at the time. And – um. And she was just like, every child is special, but sometimes you see that child and there's just a little extra, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but I just knew God had huge plans for her. And she was just so easygoing and her smile just let, lit up every room, even though mm-hmm. she was still like ringworm everywhere. And she only had one t-shirt that was her her older siblings. And yeah, so I, I looked at Vincent and I said, Vincent, one day we're going to have kids, right? And he says, yeah. And I said, well... I don't know how to take care of black skin or black hair or anything. Mm-hmm. So how about we take in this one and she could be like our practice baby. And that's <laughs> how I suckered him into getting her. <laughs> but now we're up to 13. Wow. I was, I what was happened, Vince? 13? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, um, uh, with my history growing up, yeah. 
just as a needy child mm -hmm. uh, with just like uh, my uniform uh, torn up, going to school mm -hmm. and, and, and coming home with uh, living with one another clothes and maybe one special one for uh, big occasions or going to church. And so, uh, and, and dropping out of school because I never had school fees and just raised up by different Christians that God has used in my life and, and trying to help them because I grew up trying to be handy so that God can bless me. So I could clean their compounds and they would give me school fees and then I would go to school. And so when I looked at these children, uh, I just realized that was who I Met was you, huh? before. Yeah. And so uh, Promised Child, as I said, is out of West Grove, uh, finds donors for children $15 per month uh, in our community. And we, we just realized most of these children, the $15 cannot send them to school, cannot, you know, educate them, cannot do everything for them. And most of the children, because they are not raised by, like, Christians uh, who are close to them are mostly girls. Few of the girls manage to go to high school. They they just drop out and, and get married or just live a reckless life. And so we wanted to invest in these children. And so on top of what dollars the promised child gives to these kids, uh, we decided we wanted to do ministries that can involve them and, and raise some money to send them and have better education. So we started the soccer hall with different perspectives. The first one was... Uh, no, we're gonna, hold that, because we're going to be going to break right now, and we're right. going to be coming back in two minutes. But that, that's it, man. Yeah. Because the, that's, you're just reaching out to the kids that were just like you. Yes. So you have that heart and that compassion. That's what it's all about. We'll be back in two minutes right after the break. More live with Ryan Reese coming up. Is everything all right? Sure. Call now, 1-888-564-6173. Or post your questions using the hashtag LiveRyanReese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Uh, I think I speak for the entire administration when I say whoop-de-doo. Now, back to Live with Ryan Reese. Don't say what I warn you. First sick part of the show, it was uh, just talking about our friends here, uh, Vince and Melissa, out in Africa, reaching out to kids. And actually, they, they have 13 kids that they're taking care of, street kids that they're taking in and getting them educated, providing for them, and then sending them on their way to college. And if everything works out, they'll be the first kids actually graduating from college, from their uh, community. So it's it's been epic. And you, you guys know about the Whosoever's movement. You know, uh, I mean, psh, we got nothing going on compared to what these guys are doing. <laughs> you know, I like to plug what we've got going on here. You know, we know we tour high schools, and uh, we're we're reaching kids that are, you know, struggling with addiction. You know, our, our, our problem over here, uh, these kids have too much. And because of that, they're, they're indulging in all this stupidity like the way I did when I was young and they get caught up in drugs and alcohol. And some, some kids, you know, they, a lot of kids actually could come from broken homes and, uh, you know, the parents are absent and, you know, maybe they're not out on the street, but, um, they're being raised by the TV, MTV and this culture. And it's just, it's polluting their mind and they get caught up in bad situations. So our goal 
as the Whosoever's movement is to go out and reach these kids and let them know that Jesus Christ loves them and he has a plan for him. And no matter what's going on in their life, if they're suffering with depression, suicidal thoughts, because we know the enemy loves to get in people's minds, that there is a way out through Jesus Christ. He can come in. He could transform them. He could help them with their addiction if they're hooked on any drugs and come into a personal relation with Jesus and be transformed and then go out and live out the Great Commission and reach their friends around them because Jesus Christ is coming. That is our mission. If you want to know more about it, you can go to the whosoevers.com and check it out. And um, if you want to get inspired to do ministry, keep listening to this show right Man. now because before we left the, to the break, Vince was talking about how he, uh, the different programs he has for their 13 children. So go ahead and continue and tell us about that. Yeah, so when we took the kids, there was no way that we would be able to raise them and, and send them to school. And also, at the same time, the church was growing and the persecution was becoming stronger because in the olden days, um, uh, the Muslims never sent missionaries uh, to our place. But when they saw that the church was growing up, they started sending missionaries all over the Arab countries and they started building mosques every village. Mm. So uh, and, and they started persecuting us and trying to throw us off our own land. And, and, and the church was in fear. And, and we were fearing to reach out. There's even a time that they wanted to burn the church. There's a time that they wanted to shoot at us. And so a lot of things were happening and we we're just indoors. But we, we felt like we can't stay that way because God has called us to, to reach in faith. Yeah. Just like Paul, he was stoned and the next day he's up, he's, he's in ministry, he was in waves. And so we started looking to what can we do just to break this fear. And so one of the things that we know that sports is a universal language. And in Africa, it's soccer, the English premier. And, and so mm -hmm. there's no electricity. There are no TVs in the villages, but people want to watch these matches. And so one of the things that I felt would be a cool thing to reach out was uh, I, I, I got some little money. I bought some small flat screens and uh, I paid the service subscription and I built a very small, uh, just some room where I can televise uh, these games oh, and wow. the Muslims started coming and we started using it just as a way to break the fear in us. Uh -huh. And as they started coming, we would use the Jesus films free. And actually, one of the movies that I used was Raul Ruiz's uh, no Freedom to <laughs> Fury Freedom. freedom. Yeah. yeah. So um, I, Wait, I got to interrupt real quick. <laughs> right. So when I first get there... My dad's like, so cool. Yeah. <laughs> when I first get there to Midigo, the middle of nowhere... And and I met Vincent, and he was he brought me into his office because we were going to talk about some of the evangelism we were going to do. And I saw that they had like five DVDs, and I was like, "Ooh, DVDs! I want to watch one on my laptop," you know. <laughs> and I went and I said, "How'd you get Fury to Freedom?" <laughs> and he goes, "Oh, Raul Reese." And I said, "Yeah, you know about Raul?" And he goes, "Yeah." I said, "My dad grew up with him." He said, "What? I have to meet this Raul." <laughs> Where'd you get the DVD from? Uh, yeah, anyway, um, uh, when teams come from yeah. uh, the States, they will take us some movies. That, okay, cool. Uh, we usually have, like, youth conferences in our yeah. church, and so we'll use the movies, like, uh, uh, to show them. And so in the soccer hall, we started, you know, playing gospel music, using those movies free, and they will just pay, like, a penny to watch 
the games and little by little it adds and even we have church uh, youths that are idle and they have dropped out of school because they don't have more money to go to school mm -hmm. and sometimes we allow them to work there and I disciple them they evangelize in secret and, and, and they raise some money and then we send them back to school and so we started doing that thousands of Muslims yeah. and, and, and Christians around started coming to watch uh, these games and and that's how uh, the ministry started growing up and I, and I love that I love that vision because yeah. it, it's simple so simple. Um, it's not it's not trying too hard sometimes people try too hard be something that they're not and when it's based in love that's what that's what I, I I'm just sensing through the whole thing you know and Jesus talked about love being the greatest commandment and Paul talked about it as the greatest gift right? We can do all these things of teaching and preaching, but if we don't demonstrate love, it's nothing. But when you do it in love and you do it with the right heart, it bridges the gap. Playing soccer or showing soccer matches and stuff that connects with them like you care for them. You're serving them. And then you're able to, those walls start coming down, right? Yeah. And you start building relationships. That's ministry. That, that's true evangelism too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, it's just that hanging out with them, that one-on-one. -on -one. That's amazing. So now these kids are you're discipling tons of the Muslims. I mean, has there has there been any radical situations where, you know, you're preaching the Muslims had showed up and you know threatened? I mean, what anything yeah, like that? Yeah, the the radical situations like one time they wanted to burn the church down, and one time some pregnant lady who delayed at home. Uh, and came late for delivery and she passed away with her child in the belly and they wanted to kill the doctor because the doctor was a Christian but with the situations there, there was no any way that the doctor would save, you know, this pregnant yeah. mother and, and there's a time like we we have uh, our guys who go out in the mission uh, to, to see how these children are doing in the different schools and one time the Muslims arrested them and put them in shell and, and said, you know, they are trying to take these children to United States and convert them. And so there are always situations that are happening. Mm. Yeah, even right before I came back with my children this last time, my parents and two of my friends were coming to visit. And that's that's the, the situation he was talking about. I was just painting the houses and stuff, trying to get things nice for my, my family to come. And all of a sudden, the nurse sister, Annette, that had come with Juventine, um, she comes in with with her children and and she says, yeah, a, a woman died at the hospital, which is I mean, unfortunately, things like this happen every day. You're always hearing like the wailing cries and yeah. and, you know, somebody else has died. And um, and so I didn't think anything of it. And then she said, yeah, well, the the doctor's still in the theater. They're trying to light it on fire. Mm. And then She's explaining, and all of this is happening right outside of our wall. I have no clue that, you know, all of this is happening. So then they had wanted to kill his his three-year-old son because they couldn't get to him because the police had taken him out and taken him to Yumbe, um, which is the the next city over. And, um, and so I said, well, keep him here. And her house is connected to the doctor's house. So if they burnt that house, then her house would also burn down. So we had um, – we we have a good amount of workers that, that work for us. And so I collected all of the guys that work for us. And I said, go with Sister Annette. Go collect any of their, you know, important things and then bring it back over. So they brought him back over. Vincent wasn't even with us at the time. He was in Kampala picking up my parents. But I didn't even think twice. I was just like, God, that's what you built this compound for? Hmm. 
is is to do things like this. So I said, come and stay with us until it's safe to go back. And the next morning, uh, Vincent had had come, and we we drove the little boy and sister Annette um, to Arua, um, which is uh, about well now that the roads are better, it's about two to three hours away, and um, to where his his mom was um, for safety. But now he's he's back in the village. And then we went to um, we actually took my parents and our kids to the the burial place. And so at first, like uh, we just looked at each other and, and I said, you know, is, th- is this going to be safe? And we said, well, we got to do it, you know, to the family that was trying to kill. And so we just drove in and and at first you could see like everybody's questioning and they're tense and there's just like this weird like what are they doing in here like why did they come in the lion's den you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. um but God was telling us to so we just went in there and we we had given them some money and cried with them and I held the the baby of the the mom that had passed away the the older child I think mm-hmm. was about two. And and we just sat with them for a while, and then we left. Mm. Yeah. Dude. If you're tuning in right now, this is Live with Ryan Reese, and we're in studio going through just an amazing story. Um, Melissa and Vincent Anacu. Uh, Melissa grew up here in Southern California um, in her years of committing her life to the Lord in her early 20s. God began doing her work in her life, gave her a heart for uh, doing missions, went to Israel, went to India, and then would uh, end up in Uganda on a mission trip where she would uh, soon meet her future husband, um, did ministry work with Vincent. Vincent's um, grown up there his whole life and has gone through his own things in life and how God brought these two lives together. Now uh, they have 13 children that they have adopted. They have two of their own as well. They've been there for about eight years, or I believe something like that. Um, now, your parents just recently visited, right? That's what you're saying right now? Yeah, my dad came for the wedding, uh-huh. and then he came back in last August, September. I your saw, dad saw, must have been tripping I saw, out. <laughs> I saw them right after. And they my were mom's at, come, I think, four times now. Was her what? dad tripping out? Yeah. Yeah, what's her perspective? <laughs> oh, yeah, so the, the first night that yeah, mom got, got there, <laughs> they, they, at the time there was a, a compound in this area called Choro. It was uh, like like 20 minutes like closer to the South Sudan border yeah. than, um, than where the church is and where we live because mm-hmm. we live right next door to the church. Um, so we were staying in one of the grass houses there, and all of a sudden all these crickets and stuff start jumping in. And that's not exactly normal, this amount of crickets and other bugs coming in. So I went outside, and there's just, like, ants surrounding our whole house. And I said, Mom, just stay in your little bug tent and go to sleep right now. <laughs> and so I got all of the workers and I started grabbing all the grass off of the roofs and lighting it on fire and trying to burn all the ants so that they don't come and attack us. And that was her first night there. And one of the things... That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so so um, she's she's had her fair share of of ant stories, and in fact, it, we were having like one of the what they call introductions. Like his some of the the leaders from from his family came and um, up to the compound where we were staying before we got married. And uh, that night, mom also got attacked by the ants again, and she was in her grass house. And of course, you can hear everything, but she's not used to, you <laughs> know. <laughs> yeah. So she goes in there, and she she's just screaming at the top of her lungs, and she's like so mad. And I said, "Mom, mom, you need to call down." And she goes, "Well, well, 
you're you're the one that wanted to go to Africa, and I don't know why you're in Africa, and I always told God not to send me to Africa. And I said, Mom, it wasn't my choice. It was God's choice. And from that moment on, she just, she never has again. I yeah. mean, explain to the, the, the listening audience as well, the travel there really quick. I mean, because I think like with your, your parents go over there as well, tell how long it takes to get there. Yeah, so we... We usually compared fly. to the missionary that goes to Hawaii, <laughs> <laughs> the place where everybody feels called. <laughs> yeah. I'm really feeling called yeah. to Hawaii. Yeah, no. Um, usually we fly through Emirates. There's a few other airlines that oh. that I've flown through that we've all flown through, but usually we fly through Emirates. They do great with the children and stuff. Where's um, that? L.A. to where? Uh, to Dubai. Okay. And so that one's about a 16 hour flight. Okay. And then typically you have about a 13 and a half hour layover there, but they give you a hotel you, room. Oh. So I love that part because then literally I just close like the bathroom door mm-hmm. and I turn on the TV and I let the kids go crazy while I take a nap. Because after that flight, you need some, oh, yeah. some time. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Especially with the crazy babies. Mm-hmm. They're, they're well behaved, but they are young boys. Yeah. They're well behaved sure. young boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Boys are hyper. Yeah. So, um. So then after that, then it's only a five-hour flight to Entebbe now. When I first went, you had to stop in Ethiopia and then down to Entebbe, but now they have a straight flight. Mm-hmm. And um, and then from there, it's anywhere like anywhere from 12 to 14, 12 to 14 drive, drive, drive up north to roads, us. Which is yeah, uh, uh, They've been working minutes. on the roads. Huh? Uh, 12 to 14 you know, road drive because the roads are bad. Yeah. Uh, which is about 45 minutes uh, air by air. Yeah. So there's also a, a small, small airplane like the kind without the toilet um, right. that sometimes when teams come to visit us, they'll fly up to, to Arua. And then that's only a, a few hours from our house. But the reason why we have like such a wide range, I mean, I think one time Juventine drove really fast and we might have made it in about 10 hours. Um, maybe if I can remember right, but, um, it's only really one road. So if, if there's road construction, they stop you for like an hour while one, you know, side goes and then the other side goes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So if you, if you get there at the beginning of that, it could be a half an hour to another hour added on. If there's a truck that rolls over, like the semis roll over or something, there's no triple A or anything. So you just know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just- Insurance? <laughs> nope. Yeah. I just wanted you to paint that picture yeah. so everyone can see, like, the, the commitment that's there. And even with your family visiting, I mean, they went through that as well. Yeah. <laughs> and even one time we were we were driving back from our friend Elvis's wedding. Uh-huh. and And we were driving, and there was this old woman with a baby. And she was on the roadside. And we drove like for for maybe five minutes or so, and we just both looked at each other and we're like, we gotta pick her up, even though we had all the children in the car and all the shopping from Kampala, because that's the only place you could get a lot of the good stuff. Yeah. So we're like, we just gotta squeeze them in somehow. So we had to reverse the whole way back, and we're like trying to make sure that no other cars come. (laughs) (laughs) And we picked her up, and and she needed to go to the hospital. Her baby was dying, and so I was doing like the selfies, trying to get her in the background, but. Yeah, Dude, that is, well, you know, when now that you come here where mm-hmm. you grew up, this must not feel like home anymore. I mean, that's home, right? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, the the first maybe two times I came back, I had a really hard time and I, I got bitter. 
But then God was showing me it, a, a lot of the, it's just sin nature. What do you mean and you so, like what? Like, like with the way that people spend money and mm-hmm. wasting, you know, like just those things. Yeah. But that's just, again, the sin culture of this nation, you know, and, and, and there's, um, yeah, so he just had to keep teaching me those things. So I did, uh, I listened to more of the, the, the teachings on missionaries and I read a book called uh, Cross-Cultural Servanthood. And, and so when I'm getting ready to go to one place, I try to mentally, spiritually, physically start preparing myself for what usually shocks me. Mm-hmm. And then whenever I know I'm coming back, I do the same thing. So mm-hmm. that way I, I don't have a hard time with right. people either place because God calls us to love all people. So you just keep going with whichever culture you're in. Right. No, that's, that's yeah. I, I was, uh, that's it's so different. Mm-hmm. So different. Yeah. You could come back here from there and be like, look at this waste mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. waste. There's so much waste here. Now you guys are preparing can... to, to go back. You're, you've been, how long you've been here in Southern California again, visiting? Yeah. I came back with the boys, I think late September. So I've been here for for a little bit um, because we we had a lot of health issues this this last year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, it was another one of those really hard Challenges, seasons. Drives, yeah, yeah um, I kept having allergic reactions with swollen lips, and and um, during our our miscarriage in in August, then my hormones have been crazy. I'm getting cysts, and so there was a lot of health problems with me, and then also with our four year old son. Um, who's who's on the spectrum of of autism? So just trying to figure out things that work with both of us and and get answers with the heart palpitations I was having and things like that. So um, we got as many answers as possible. Some are these are life situations that we'll yeah. have to deal with. The you know, so and, listeners and need to pray for these guys. Right. You guys got to pray for these guys. Yeah. Well, look at we have like I don't know. I think we have like seven minutes left, something like that. But um, I want to hear from both of you guys. Like you know what. If there's anyone that's listening that's thinking about going into the mission field, what would you say? What would you say to them? Whoever wants to go first. Uh, uh, the the first thing um, uh, I would want to talk about is you know when Jesus uh, told his disciples, you know, um, uh, the 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 harvest is plentiful, but you know the laborers are few, and and so it's it's real a calling. And so I would encourage them um, as much as it's difficult uh, to go into the field, but it's very important because there are souls there that God wants to use anybody to reach to them, any instrument that God can hold. Like who knew like the sports ministry would bring people to God and, and, and just the little things that we do. Who knows that just your smile from here, even your skin color alone, you know, uh, we have realized in, in the many times the missionaries come there and even just the skin color makes them to come to Christ because, and, and sometimes what the missionaries do is crazy. And our people say, you know, if this guy can come here and mold bricks and get dirt in the mud, what is different? And so they can really hear the gospel. And I heard you talking about um, other people here in the streets into drugs. I, I just want to encourage you, if you're on drugs, maybe you're going through tough times, I just want to remind you God loves you. And I just want to tell you, I have not told you the deepest things that have gone through my life. My life has been so rough. My life has been the most difficult. 
and 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 you can relate to that and i just want to tell you maybe even your situations might not be worse and 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 so i just want to tell you maybe um uh, just think twice just think about the lord he loves you and he wants to save you if you can remember the story of the prodigal son god is always there looking for that one mm. out of the 99 So you are most well come to serve with us if God is calling you to go into the mi- mission field God is the one who protects us and keeps us if we cast away our fears Yeah and and anybody that's thinking about suicide right now just know that God wants to use your life So get involved in missions. Go to your church. Get involved in in something that triggers that thing and and stop thinking so much about yourself but instead what you can do for God and as you start thinking that way God changes your life. Mm-hmm. He did with me, he did with everybody that just surrenders. Just surrender and give all to him. Yeah, it's a well, it's a different source of of fleshly suicide. Mm-hmm. I guess you could say. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. That's the call. I mean, yeah. that, that's the call that, you know, Ryan always references that verse and it's the same. It's whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, mm-hmm. pick up his cross and follow me. And when you lose your life for Christ's sake, you actually find it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. It's not like you're losing anything. You're gaining eternal life. You have purpose. You have direction. And I think that that's one thing that's major in our in our society, our culture. Mm-hmm. People get so bogged down with all these different things that are trying self. to to self. self. Yeah, very mm-hmm. selfish society. That was society. one of the things self. that was hard for me when I came back and visited every time. And you, self. And mm-hmm. if you don't have no purpose and no direction, you're spinning your wheels and you try to find satisfaction, drugs, alcohol, sex, all these things, but they're not lasting. You got to mm-hmm. look at yourself and be like, "Lord, why did you create me? Mm-hmm. Out of all the places in this in this world, you have placed me here. And Lord, I want you to use my life and like you said, where there's true surrender, mm-hmm. that's where the Lord can begin a whole new work in our lives." Mm-hmm. The key is to surrender, to to say, "God, I'm done. I want your will in my life." And that was the point in my life when when I read that verse, "Deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me." That changed everything. It's the surrender. Mm. And then God can work in your life and then he opens the doors. He changes your heart, he changes your mind, then he he'll send you to meet your wife or your husband, your take you on your journey to find the job or your calling or whatever it is. He lines all those things up. Yep. But the problem is it's our self we get in the way. For sure. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a constant struggle. Like you said you came back and all of a sudden you were battling that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could say I battled some stuff in my life, you know, last couple of weeks, you know, it's It's always that constant surrender. So if you're going through this, that's normal. It's normal to it's that battle. You know, we always it's the flesh and the spirit. They're always warring against each other. And the most important thing is you just got to read, pray, get plugged into church, get your fellowship on with b- local believers that are close to you and just let God work in your life. It's that, it's that simple. I liked what both of them said of the different challenges they've gone through in their life, but they've come to realize, you know, God brought us here. Mm-hmm. God's going to take care of us. God's going to protect us. As Vincent was talking about having to go meet a guy down the road to protect the home, protect the family. It could cost him his life, but he understood that if the Lord's with me, who can be against me? Mm-hmm. And, and and that's what it's believing God's word trusting in him being led by the power of the holy spirit the word that has uh endured for all generations and it's our our source of life and jesus talked about it as being the the bread of life and he is the bread of life he is what we need to sustain through the craziness of life and he will direct our steps amazing amazing testimony 
Um, I know many of the listeners are going to be knowing your story. People are going to tune into the probably podcast after as well and be encouraged by your story. So, so thanks for coming. But also the listening audience, pray for them. Pray for the vision that they have there in Africa as well. Guys, remember, go to thewhosovers.com. Check out everything that's taking place. We'll be back next week. Thank you guys for coming on. Yeah, thank you. Love you guys. Peace. This has been Live with Ryan Reese. To connect or find out more about Ryan, click on ryan-reese.com. Check us out next Saturday at 9 p.m. for Live with Ryan Reese. This is Chris Christensen, and back in 2006, I started a simple project, a project to try and introduce more people to the Bible through Bible study called the Bible Study Podcast. It's a simple name and a simple idea. Each week, every week, we study one chapter of the Bible, talk about what it says and what that might mean for us today. To listen now, go to lifeaudio.com or search for the Bible Study Podcast on your favorite podcast app.